Two weeks ago, we began talking about the subject of prayer, and I know that uh, you're probably familiar with this by now, but I'm going to say it again, and that is, is that as Christ spoke to his disciples, it was automatically assumed that the disciples would be men of prayer. There was never an assumption on the part of Christ that you could be a disciple of his, that you could be a follower of his, that you could be a student of his, and not spend time in prayer. Okay? Uh, Christ was very clear on this. He did not say, if thou pray, he said, when thou prayest. And so, again, there was an automatic, uh, an automatic assumption that his disciples, his followers, would be men of prayer, and, of course, ladies, that you would be ladies of prayer. And he stressed that we don't pray publicly for the sake of approval or for the sake of attention by others, but how we ought to pray is when we enter into our closet or that quiet place and we get alone with God. Our prayer time ought to drive us to a place where it's just he and us communicating. I've said this now for three Sundays in a row and there's a part of me that still scratches my head and says, I wonder. I wonder how many of us are doing it. I'm not saying you have to get in a closet. I'm not saying you have to make it that private and that secluded, but I would say this. I wonder how many of us for the last couple of weeks have made the effort to get alone with God, just us and Him. Because here's what I know. Praying is hard. I told Susie this yesterday. We were talking, and I'm going to just kind of ramble for a moment, but there really is a point to the rambling. I asked Susie yesterday, I said, do you ever get tired of praying? And she said, yes. And I couldn't condemn her for this very simple reason. I, too, get weary in praying. I, I grow weary in praying sometimes because I feel like I'm not seeing any results from my prayer life. And so there are times that I wrestle with, why am I even doing this? Why am I even going through the motions? Why am I even saying this? It doesn't seem as though God's moving. It doesn't seem as though God's answering. It doesn't seem as though God is, is answering any of the prayers right now that I'm praying. And so sometimes there's a, a sense of discouragement that goes along with what I'm trying to do by way of a prayer life. But I have to remind myself, I, I can't let that determine my obedience. And, and whether you would admit this publicly or not, I think many of you, if, if you were honest, you would say something like what I just said, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. It can get discouraging sometimes, and because it's discouraging, sometimes I don't even pray like I should. I just want to remind us, it was the expectation of Christ that his disciples would be disciples who prayed. And that we would get alone with God and that we would spend that time in prayer with him. And then last week, as we looked in verse number 9, he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye. I shared with us last week that in the next couple of verses, Christ was going to give his disciples a template that they could use as they approached their prayer life because the implication is, is that some of them may not have felt comfortable in even knowing how to pray. 
And such is the case these days. I think many people, they would like to pray, but they feel awkward doing it. They don't know exactly what they're doing. They, they feel as though they're not doing it right. And so because of that measure of discomfort or that measure of uneasiness, that keeps them from praying the way that they should. And I'll just go ahead and admit this. As long as I've been in church and as much as I know about the subject of prayer, again, in visiting with Susie yesterday, I was reminded of this, how often I don't pray correctly. Because there's a right way and a wrong way to pray. And what I mean by that is, and, and just, again, this is somewhat of a ramble and somewhat of a rabbit trail, but, but it's, it's got a point to it and it's got a purpose to it. I, I was reminded this week that some of the very things that Christ told his disciples to pray about, I don't. Like what? Well, like this. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I mean, how many days and how many weeks can go through my mind where I don't pray for Israel like I should? Somebody says, well, yeah, but I'm... No, no, no. Christ said pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We as God's people ought to be praying for Israel. And I'm like... Never even think of that unless something on the news catches my attention and, and I began to remember, oh yes, the people of Israel and, and the people of, of the Jews and, and I ought to be praying for them. And I told Susie so many times, I don't pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into the harvest. And he said specifically, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. And it's like... And I don't do that. Why? Because I'm so busy praying for this, and I'm so busy praying for this, and, and this is my attention, and I'm mindful of this, and, and there are just these things that the Lord said to his disciples, pray this, and I don't. In tonight's message, in just a couple of moments, you're going to see what Christ said to his disciples, and, and, and again, here I am standing before you saying, I don't do that. When it comes to my prayer life, when it comes to my prayer time, I don't do that. And at least for me, there's a reason for it. And so I'm going to share just a couple of quick thoughts with you. And, and if this is somewhat repetitive or, or bothersome to you, I apologize. But, but I want to talk to us for just a minute, okay? And, and, and this will hopefully set the stage as to where the message is headed. But uh, uh, you know that my family has been to Florida several times in the last few years. And, and there's a lot of negative associated with going to Florida and specifically Disney World. Okay? Some of you have not ever been to Disney World and you've made it very clear that if you die not ever having gone to Disney World, you'll die a happy person. A couple of you mentioned that to me Wednesday night and I totally understand that doesn't offend me. But, but if you've ever been to Disney World or someplace like that and, and you can identify in some way what I'm about to say, uh, if you go there, here, here's what you better expect. A frustrating journey at times. Okay? Now, you're like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, I'm just saying, if you fly, you've got to deal with all the people. You've got to deal with security. You've got to deal with all that. If you drive, you've got to deal with all the people on the road who are crazy and the traffic and all that other stuff. And sometimes it's just not enjoyable. It's just not fun. And when you go to Disney, one of the negatives and one of the drawbacks is this. Get ready to get ripped off. They, they know how to get your money from every different angle. From the moment you pull your car into the driveway and you pay for your parking to the moment you get to the gate and you pay what you pay to get in. And then if you buy your food and your souvenirs inside there, just get ready. Just open up your wallet and just say, here, take it all. Because that's what they desire to do. 
you've got to deal with some less than favorable people. The happiest place on earth, as they have said, is sometimes one of the most annoying places on earth. Because you have screaming, crying, tired, exhausted kids who just want to take a nap, and yet their parents continue to drag them around and say something like this, you will have fun. Do you know what it costs us to get in here? You will have fun today. And then there are all sorts of lines and all sorts of waiting to get here and to do this and to do that, and and all these negatives associated with going to Disney. And yet, tonight, if my kids said, hey, Dad, could we do Disney this year? You know what I'd say? When do you want to go? You know why? Because I'm spending that time with the people I love most on this earth. So if the kids were to say, hey, Dad, we'd love to go to Florida this year. Hey, Dad, we'd love to do Disney again. I'd say, let's do it. And you know what? I wouldn't worry about the road trip. I wouldn't worry about the frustrations of all the traffic. I wouldn't worry about the cost. I wouldn't worry about this. I wouldn't worry about the wait times. I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about how bad I was getting ripped off. If the kids said, hey, Dad, I want to do it, and Susie said, hey, I think that sounds like a great idea, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Why? Because I'm spending time with the people I love most. If they said, hey, Dad, let's do it again. Let's go again. Let, let's, let's do what we've done in the past. I, I would say, let's do it for this reason. Created some incredible memories over the years. I know I've said this before, and I know I've alluded to it at different times, but I'm telling you, I love to replay the memories in my mind, and I love to go back and look at the pictures. I just enjoy the memories I have created with them. You understand this? For all the negatives associated with Disney, the crowds, the cost, the frustrations, the wait times, everything associated with it, I'd do it again this week if I got to go with my kids and Susie and make more memories. And then in addition to that, whether I should admit this or not, it's really kind of fun to go. It really is. I like the rides, I like the shows, and, and it's just a different feeling that you get to enjoy. Now, now somebody says, I, I, whatever, that, that makes no sense to me. Well, I don't know what you would relate it to, but here's what I relate life to. Kind of like a journey or kind of like a trip to Disney. Now, someone says, you're, you're totally losing me, and that's fine. Just, again, give me a moment to elaborate. Are there not a lot of negatives to this life? Or, or is your life just nothing but positive? There are a lot of negatives in life, are there not? I mean, good nights, talk about frustrations. There are plenty of frustrations as you go through life. I mean, if you were to stand and give testimony tonight of some recent frustrations, you probably wouldn't have to wait real long and think real hard before you could think of some. And if we were to let the person behind you or the person beside you go, uh, they'd be able to say, yeah, I can think of one just like that one, or I've got one very similar to that one, or I've got one that's, that's very fresh on my mind that's completely different than that one. I mean, in life, there are a lot of frustrations, are there not? In life, there are a lot of hassles. I mean, just like at Disney, and you're dealing with these crying, screaming, whining kids who 
Sometimes they do need a nap, but sometimes they need a good, swift uh, moment of attention. Do you not deal with people that sometimes you just want to say, quit your whining? <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling somewhat exposed and alone up here, okay? Do you, I mean, do you not ever just sometimes want to say, just shut up and grow up? I mean, that would be some of the source of frustrations, would it not? I mean, life can be very frustrating, and life can be very irritating sometimes, but sometimes the biggest frustration that we face in life are the people that we have to deal with in this life. I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like it's moving slower than I want it to. Other times it's moving faster than I want it to, but sometimes it's moving slower than I want it to. It's like, when will we get over the hump? When will we get to the next step? When's it going to happen that this is going to take place? And, and, and so again, I, I look at life, and, and, and in many ways, life is kind of like a trip for us to Disney. There are a lot of negatives associated with it, but at the same time, I, I would say this, at least for myself, and I would hope that you would say this for you, that while there are plenty of frustrations, while there are plenty of negatives associated with going Going through life, that we would say this, if given the opportunity, I'd do it all again in a heartbeat. I would. Some of you don't look so convinced. You know why I'd go through life all over again in a heartbeat without a hesitation? I enjoy life. I, I know my countenance and uh, probably my body language doesn't always express that, but, but by and large, I, I enjoy life. I love so many of the people that God has brought into my life. I'm thankful for the people that God has brought into my life in so many different areas. I've, I've been enriched because of the people that God has brought into my life. And, and it's not just at Disney that I love Susie and the kids. I mean, I really enjoy having them around. I, I love my parents. I love my family. I love the church family. I mean, I, I like the people God has brought into my life. I think many times life is fun. If, if you don't enjoy life, I, I really do, I, I hate that for you. Because I enjoy life. There are so many positives about life that if I had the chance to do it all over again, I'd do it. And there's one more thing about a trip for us to Florida that would be true, and that's this. I don't ever really look forward to the trip ending. I'm enjoying it as much on day six as I was day one. And on that last night when we're packing everything up and we're getting ready to go, many times I'm thinking, yeah, I know we need to get home and I'll be glad to get home and it's always good to get home. There's no question. But I'd be just fine if we stayed a few more days. I'd be very happy to just have a couple of more days here and just a little bit more time. And I, I would say this of life. I do enjoy it so much that there's not really a big desire on my part for it to end. <laughs> I'm not one of these people 
who is looking forward to the day. Because I enjoy life. And so what happens is, is sometimes my enjoyment for life clouds what I'm supposed to be doing by way of my prayer life and keeps me from praying the way that I know I'm supposed to. Okay. Again, I feel somewhat exposed and alone up here, but that's fine. Notice in verse number 9, he says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, use this as a format. Use this as a template on how to pray. Go to the God, go to God as your Father. Understand you can go to Him about anything at any time. Uh, but remember, His name is hallowed. His name is sacred. His name is special. His name is something that is to be revered, and you need to reverence Him. But notice what He says next in verse number 10. He said, pray this way, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. What does it mean when Christ said to his disciples, pray that his kingdom would come? Well, the kingdom that Christ is speaking of is a reference to one's dominion or one's sovereignty, which is then a reference to one's power or one's authority. Now, if Christ said to the disciples that they were to pray that the kingdom of God would come, it certainly implies this, that the kingdom of God has not yet been established on this earth. Does this make sense? We understand, don't we, this evening, that God is omnipotent, He is all-powerful, and He does what He wants to do when He wants to do it. God accomplishes what He wants to accomplish when He chooses to accomplish it. Satan is not capable of doing anything that he wants to do unless he gets the permission of God prior to doing it. Does this make sense? Okay. So God is omnipotent and God is all-powerful and God is still very much in control of this world but yet God is not exerting himself by way of the authority on this earth at this time. So he says to the disciples that when they pray, they need to pray that God's kingdom would come, that God's kingdom would be established, that God's sovereignty, that his power, that his authority, and that his control would be established on this earth. And, and, and I think we know this, that if God were the one exerting his authority and his power right now, things would look far different than they look today. And things would look far better than they look today. Things would be far better than they are today. When the authority of God is established on the earth, when the Lord sets up His kingdom on this earth, when He rules and when He reigns, the, the world is going to look far different and far better than it does right now. And so He says to the disciples, pray that this would happen, pray that this would take place, be in prayer for this matter as you pray. Now, I don't know about the disciples. I don't know if this is something they'd ever thought about or if this was a new concept and something that they had, again, never really given attention to. But here is what I know of myself, that whenever I am praying, it never, ever, ever, ever enters into my mind 
to pray for the kingdom of God to come and to be established on this world or on this earth. Well, why? Because I enjoy this life. I don't know if you've ever heard this statement or if you've ever heard this thought. Maybe I've expressed it at some other point. It's not original with me. But someone once said, and I don't remember who it was, but they said they've always looked at death as kind of like leaving the party early. You know, and, and they weren't trying to be weird or they weren't trying to sound secular in their mindset. But what they were saying is this, you know, when there's a party going on, that's when people are having a good time. That's when people are enjoying themselves. And the idea of missing out on some of that just isn't something that sounds appealing to them. And so there was this person who said they've always viewed it as kind of like leaving the party early. And I want you to understand something tonight. I'm not afraid of death. I know where I'm going when I die. I'm not afraid of the subject of death. I'm not afraid of, uh, of the idea of me dying. I know it's going to happen should the Lord not return first. I understand it, and it doesn't make me fearful. But I would say this, that sometimes I am so enjoying the life that God has given me, it's kind of like selfishly I'm saying, God, not now. I'd like a few more days. Because I enjoy being married and I enjoy raising children. I enjoy pastoring a church. I enjoy the friends that God has given me. And I enjoy so much that God has blessed me with. And about the only time I ever think it'd be really good and really nice and really great if God would just go ahead and come would be on one of two occasions. When I see something on TV that just really turns my stomach understand what I mean? As Susie and I talked yesterday, she said, you know, the only time that I really think about that is whenever I think about the world our children or our grandchildren will grow up in. And then I think, oh, Lord, come quickly before they have to deal with that. But outside of that, it's really not a thought for us. Why? Because we're enjoying life. So the only time I really think about it is if I see something on TV or hear about something on the radio that really disgusts me and turns my stomach and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, just come on and just, just do it now. Just get this thing over with. Or when I'm discouraged. You know, when I'm discouraged, then it's okay if, if the trip ends. Just go ahead and come, Lord. Just go ahead and come. I mean, if this is as good as it's going to get, then just go ahead and come now. But under normal circumstances, under normal everyday life circumstances, you know what I'm not praying? I'm not praying for the kingdom of God to come like I ought to be. Again, I enjoy life, so why would I want this to stop? Why would I want this to end? Again, I, I can understand if you hate life, why well, you'd be ready for me just go ahead and come, get me out of the misery. But that's not the right motivation for it. So I struggle with that from my own personal perspective of enjoying this life. But I struggle with it. I think of in, in part because of my inability to grasp how wonderful heaven will be and how wonderful it will be to be a part of God's kingdom where he rules and he reigns as opposed to what we endure and put up with and deal with today.
See, my mind can't begin to imagine. My mind cannot begin to understand. It, it hasn't entered into my heart as to what all of this is going to look like one day in the presence of God himself. I cannot grasp it, so there's a part of me, whether this sounds too immature for you to accept of me or not, I, I can't understand it. And so sometimes, because I can't understand it, it just kind of makes me nervous. Like, oh, man, ah. But what did Christ say? He said, disciples, when you pray, pray for the kingdom of God to come. Pray that he would come. Pray that he would come and establish his authority. Pray that he would come and, and do what, what he is going to do. And, and so I, I, I say to you this evening, as, as simply as I know to say it, when you and I are praying, we are allowed to come to God with anything we want to come to God with. When we come to God, we're able to pray and, and bring to Him our petitions and bring to Him those burdens that we have. We're allowed to do that. But when we pray, Christ said specifically, you need to pray that God's kingdom would come. And the question that I would present to you this evening is this. I'll assume for just a moment that we all pray, even though we know that that's not true. But as you pray, how faithful are you to pray for the kingdom of God to come, not out of selfish reasons, not out of selfish desires, but you desire the kingdom of God to come, and you pray for that because you want to be obedient for such or, or in such in your prayer life. I don't know. I don't know what the odds would be. I don't know what the numbers would be, what the statistics would be. But I would suspect that there are, are many of us who would have to say, you know what, I don't pray that way. I really don't pray that way. Why? Because I'm still enjoying life. With all of the negatives, with all the frustrations, with all the distractions, with all the things I don't like, you know, at the end of the day, more times than not, I, I really enjoy life, and so it's not something I really think about. It's not really something I give attention to. But it ought to be the prayer of the believer. It ought to be the prayer of the disciple. Father, could this be the day today that your kingdom would come? Could today be the day that, that you would come and establish yourself? It ought to be how we pray, at least in part. Again, I'm reminded on many occasions whenever I pray, I don't pray like I should. I don't pray for Jerusalem. I don't pray for laborers many times like I should. I'm not praying that his kingdom would come. Why? Because I'm so distracted by so many other things. Obviously, and, and I, I hope you understood my heart earlier in the message by way of illustration, Obviously, I hope you enjoy life. Okay, I, I hope you enjoy life. I hope you love life. And if you don't enjoy life and love life, then I would really encourage you to make the changes necessary to be able to enjoy life. But I hope we don't enjoy life so much that we're so attached to this world down here that we don't have some kind of a longing to be in the kingdom of God 
and for his kingdom to be established on this earth. Does that make sense? All right, let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I know that tonight's message is a bit, I don't know, maybe different for us, something that uh, we don't give a lot of consideration to. Or there may be many here tonight who are very faithful to pray for your coming kingdom. There may be many who live each day with great anticipation.